Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Gives the boat, plows ahead, touchdown! John Moten, there's a deep throw for Jefferson. Over the shoulder catch, touchdown! What a catch! He bubbles the football. That is picked up by the Wildcats. With a convoy, breaks out of the 40. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win! The Wildcats win! Unbelievable! It's Collegiately Speaking. Join David and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person as they break down all the ins and outs of Northwestern football. Touchdown! It's all over. The Wildcats with a comeback to remember. Here's Dave and Dan. And welcome to another season of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com. Dave Edit with former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa, can you believe it? Season's here, ready to go. Uh, the Wildcats open the season Saturday in Palo Alto, California, against the Stanford Cardinal. And uh, Dan, great to have you back for another season. And I can't wait to get this season going. I'm really excited. I'm excited as well. You know, it's getting colder at night and in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the fall breeze is coming in. Can't wait to kick it off on Saturday. All right. Well, it's there are a lot of expectations. Every team's got them this time of year. Things are a little bit different, but if you look at the the preseason picks, Northwestern coming off uh, Big Ten West Championship last year, coming off their third straight bowl win, and yet I've seen a lot of preseason prognostications that has them like fourth in the Big Ten West. I'm not sure I totally get that. I understand the rest of the division is getting better. And, and that's what you want. And that's what you expect. Uh, I still find it kind of puzzling that a team that's gone 15-1 and in the last 16 regular season games, and still, and I know they have a significant personnel change at the most important position on the field, but they still bring back an awful lot of talent from last year, and they have a lot of good talent waiting in the wings. I don't quite understand why they're not getting more noise as far as maintaining or or at least finishing higher up in the division than we seem to be hearing. You know, as a former player, it's it's almost right where we want to be. Um, anytime mm-hmm. I feel like we're we're rated highly, um, we seem <laughs> to struggle out of the gate. But you know, you hear Fitz talk about it, and you talk about the outside um, kind of thoughts of the team, and and it's really just been to his point a narrative around these really ugly losses. And I think that for the folks that don't follow Northwestern as close as you know we do, and some of the the very close fans do, um, it's all about Akron's, the Dukes, the yeah. Illinois States, um, you know, the other tough losses that you, people see nationally or even in the Big Ten that Northwestern hasn't really gotten that respect yet, and that's okay. I think most guys are are perfectly fine with that. And to your point. You know, Nebraska, Iowa, um, Minnesota. There's a lot of rising tides in the West, but I don't know. This is the, the deepest and most talented team I've seen from Northwestern. Obviously, I'm shocked as, you know, being the, the Big Ten West champs that they're not ranked higher, but it's not totally surprising. They got ranked by the coaches, not in the AP, in the media poll, which, again, I don't find that surprising at all. And and I'm sort of like you because the years where Northwestern's been been picked in the preseason – and Stanford's ranked almost every year. I, I I believe they're among the national leaders in in preseason rankings. I think they're ranked for the sixth straight year, something like that, in the preseason polls. But the years that uh, the Cats have been ranked, they have tended not to get off to great starts in general. I mean, it's a it, it doesn't always work out that way, but sometimes it's better to be a little bit under the radar. And I buy what Fitz has said about. 
the fact that that you lose these games the Akron loss in particular was the narrative last year it's even when they were kind of rolling through the Big Ten and sweeping the Big Ten West what you kept hearing about was yeah but they lost to Akron so I, I do think that that's something that as he said don't lose those games, and then you're going to find in the preseason people are going to be talking you up more. Yeah, and I think especially in kind of the, the college football playoff um, universe, you lose a couple games like that, you're completely out from the national land- landscape perspective. But, you know, you build up. That, that becomes your narrative early, and then you build up more wins toward the end. And, and while you're still competing in the Big Ten, you're kind of eliminated from the, the national playoffs. Um, so that, that unfortunately has stuck with them, and, and I, I don't think, again— I'd rather have them here than at the top. Northwestern, you know, they've consistently improved um, every year, and but they've never really shown that they can they can play, you know, at being the hunted, which which is fine. I mean, you you got to be consistently competing for championships, and Fitz has talked about that being the next step. By the way, Stanford's been ranked. Uh, this is the ninth straight year they're ranked in the preseason. That's sixth most in the nation. So it's it's pretty common for them, not unusual at all. All right, we're going to talk to uh, Pat Fitzgerald. He's going to join us here in a few moments uh, when the Wildcats are off the practice field today. Uh, He has not yet named a starting quarterback, Dan. I don't remember. Take me back in time a little bit because I remember you came on. uh, The Cats were playing at Iowa. Mike Kafka got hurt. You came in, replaced him, immediately threw a touchdown pass. Uh, Cats went on to win that game. But as far as the start of the season uh, in say 2010 you were you were already number one at quarterback there was no quarterback announcement to be made was there no I think he he kind of alluded to it going into spring ball and then at the end of spring ball it was it was pretty clear that I was going to be the guy so there really wasn't a competition in fall camp and then the year before same kind of thing Mike Mm -hmm. and I were competing to be the starter but Mike had played before and you know there really wasn't there was a quote unquote competition, but he was going to be the guy. I think you know really with with the competition between Alvidi and Clayton, and now this competition, um, that those have been like kind of the two qu- big question marks in the past you know five ten years. Of course, last year we didn't know because Clayton right. Thorson was coming off an injury, and uh, Fitz really did not tip his hand as far as how things were going to go. I think everybody expected to see Thorson, and in fact, he started against Purdue and and played well in that game. Uh, but then T.J. Green came on and <laughs> scored a touchdown. Interesting for, rotation. <laughs> so, so now you got Hunter Johnson and T.J. Green. This the idea of not naming a starter. A lot of other schools have come out: uh, Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, uh, right down the line. They've they've come out and named their starting quarterbacks ahead of time, and and Northwestern's chosen not to do that. Personally. I don't really have a problem with that because I, I think uh, what do you really gain if if you I don't know that you necessarily gain anything by not announcing it, but I don't think it it hurts, right? I mean, any any area of the game, any aspect that you keep your opponent guessing, why not? Because there's certainly an overload of information about you out there anyway. No, I 100% agree. I think, you know, college football, especially in week one, is decided by such a, you know, a small gap. And why would you not take advantage of if, Mm. you know, not announcing the quarterback? They're going to have to prepare for two guys. They're already preparing for two. If you announce one, they're only, 
theoretically prepare for one. But yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I would think the team at this point going into game week knows who the guy is. A lot of people will say, well, you know, people, folks in the media will say, you, know, you get, you name a guy, you name him in the media, you, you put your, your chips behind him. So everybody's on the same page. The team already knows. That's, that's just kind of a media, media speak for lack of a better word. And I agree with you. I don't think it's, I, I think why not play this card if you have it? And, you know, let's let's be honest here. We've watched this program for a long time. We've watched how this coaching staff operates. And I know personally, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Hunter Johnson and T.J. Green on Saturday in Palo Alto. We saw you and Mike Kafka in the same game. We saw you and uh, uh, Kane Coulter, I think, uh, play together, didn't we, in the yeah. same game. And, and Trevor Simeon and Kane Coulter. And and last year, Clayton and TJ in that first game. So I don't know that anyone should be shocked if we see both quarterbacks. You're going to need two regardless. I think when you look back in, in time and across college football in general, you're always going to have to play two quarterbacks. Very rarely does the same guy start and stay healthy the whole the whole year. So I think you're right. So whoever's going to start, I don't think they'll go into a, like a true rotation just mm-hmm. because... Um, Hunter's probably, I guess the only way I could see a true rotation is if TJ starts and they want to get more, you know, more athletic ability at the position, you put Hunter in to do some QB runs. If Hunter starts, you know, I don't really see a reason to rotate TJ in. Um, but who knows? The the coaches obviously have been practicing this for a long time and and it's worked to an extent rotating quarterbacks. To really run a, a true two quarterback system, don't you have to have two guys with really dramatically different skill sets like we saw with Coulter and Simeon. Correct. That's that's the best way to do it, and I I think they're they're different right now. And but who knows? Hunter, he's said to be more athletic. And we haven't seen that much right, of him, right? Yeah, you, you don't <laughs> right. know. You you know from his Clemson days and his recruiting days that he can run a, run around a little bit. But you know, as a quarterback, you you don't really get tested in practice with your dual threat ability. So if Hunter starts, I, I don't really see a reason for them to rotate TJ in unless Hunter's struggling. All right, let's take a look at this team for a moment and relative strengths. Of this team, I, I was on a show the other night, and and they asked me what's the story with Northwestern in 2019, and I said, defense, defense, defense. That's not in any way a knock on the offense or or any kind of disrespect towards the offense. I just think I look at this team defensively, and I see one of the best defensive teams I've ever seen at Northwestern, and. You know, the the measuring stick has been that '95 team when Pat Fitzgerald was a captain and he was the middle linebacker. But I look at this defense and I look at at the talent that they've stockpiled, the front seven, the uh, and and granted there's some youth in the secondary, but there's also some real talent back there. And I look at them and I think they got a chance to be really one of the best defenses in the Big Ten again. I agree, and it's been the strength of the team for the last however many years. You know, mm-hmm. Teddy Greenstein from the uh, Chicago Tribune always reports on the struggles on offense and how the S and P Plus is always, you know, not ideal for Northwestern offense. But yeah, I, I completely agree. You look, you look down the line at, at the defensive line; they'll probably go eight deep. Um, linebackers probably less so, but um, still with Patty and Blake. And Chris having and Chris Bergen had a lot, having a lot of experience. That that's gonna be an unbelievable unit. Then you talk about probably the deepest unit um, on the best unit of the team, which is the defensive backs. I mean, there's there's eight guys that would probably could start at, at most Big Ten schools, and then you're not even uh, you're not not even mentioning Cam Ruiz, who played unbelievably last year. So I think. In the back half, especially the way you know college offenses are trending, it's great to see that much depth in the defensive backfield. I I look at the defense as overall 
as being the strength of this team. But if I look at the offense, I think there are a couple areas that, that kind of stand out. And first and foremost would be the running back position. Because I think now, where we're last year at this time, or maybe a few weeks after, after Jeremy Larkin had to medically retire, I think you looked at that and you said, what have we got now? I mean, this is, this is a big question mark. Yeah, guys banged up. Um, John Moten had battled injuries. Isaiah Bowser was a kind of an unknown commodity. Now you know what you've got in him. Uh, you've got a guy like Moten who really came on, had that big run in the championship game last year, the Big Ten, uh, of freshman in Drake Anderson, uh, Jesse Brown, another guy who's been there. I mean, I, I look at the running backs, and I don't remember us being deeper at running back at Northwestern than this year. No, it's a great point, and I think um, a lot of folks will probably were probably surprised to see that Drake Anderson was number two, but it, it's just kind of a testament to his, his heart work ethic in the offseason and, and John Moten's still a great player he's going to mm-hmm. play a lot too yep. but having three strong running backs that have kind of different skill sets right Isaiah Bowser is the kind of the the first and second down grinded out type of running back Drake Anderson's probably closer to your third 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 down back with you know great receiving ability and John mm-hmm. Moten can hit a home run anytime he touches the ball so to have three guys like that is pretty special and you just hope somebody can pick up a blitz like Chad Hanaoka <laughs> right. did last year I'm sure they'll figure it out uh, and then the offensive line should be improved this year because you have a lot of guys, even though you're replacing some starters, you've got guys who played a lot, and you've got some mainstays at center and Jared Thomas and Rashawn Slater going on over from right tackle to left tackle. He's He's been a two-year starter at right tackle, Dan. We, we've seen this guy as a true freshman make an impact, and now here he is as he goes into year three, goes to a new position. Uh, but uh, a very important position on that offensive line. Completely agree. Rashawn's been, you know, just so consistent, even from his freshman year, and just the athletic ability he has, and great bloodlines, obviously, with his family. But it'll be pretty fun to watch him go up against the Big Ten's best um, defensive linemen this year. And I, you know, the coaching change can't be understated. I think people always forget about that. Um, Coach Cushing obviously did a great job the last handful of years, but um, you know, the coaching change that they made there, bringing in. Um, just a great guy who who recruits well. He he coaches well. Guys really know how to follow him. And, and like like Fitz said, he kind of reminds him of a WWE wrestler. Um, <laughs> and to have that mentality in that room is great for those guys. Kurt Anderson also quotes right. movies a lot. There, there you so. go. Yeah, I heard that. All right. So we've talked about some of the relative strengths. Where in your mind is the biggest question mark on this team? Obviously, you start with quarterback. Um, it's yet to be seen. Quarterback's one of those positions where you can't really judge a guy until the lights come on and the, and the, the ball's kicked off in an actual game. It's, it's, it's easy to look good in practice when you're going against the same offense, or I'm sorry, the same defense, running, running plays that are pretty scripted. Um, so, you know, to see Hunter or TJ out there and, and hopefully doing well, is, but it's a huge question mark. And obviously this offense for so long has been based around the quarterback. And offenses that Northwestern have done historically well have had quarterbacks that have, have performed very efficiently. Um, so I, I think that's that's the easiest one. And then the next, obviously, is wide receiver. There's a lot of guys returning. 
Um, but we just need Northwestern just needs more explosive plays out of those, that group. It's it's just been something where guys seem to be blanketed all the time. There 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 just isn't you know wide open guys running down the field like you see elsewhere in college football. We you, Northwestern needs big chunk plays to continue to compete. Well, I think there's some guys there though who are capable. I mean, I oh, think absolutely. Howard McGowan yeah. has shown that. Bennett Skoranek's a, a big play guy because he, he can go up, he's athletic, he can go up and get that, that 50-50 ball, uh, make some acrobatic catches. I thought J.J. Jefferson last year showed a lot of flashes as a true freshman. Berkeley Holman's kind of an intriguing guy, Dan. He's a, a redshirt freshman last year, showed some speed. They used him on some some jet sweeps and that sort of thing, and and I think he's had a good camp from what I hear. So I think there's a lot of depth there. The the position that that I wonder about is a super back because in the last two years you've lost Garrett Dickerson and now Cameron Green, Charlie Mangieri, a guy they really like out of Peoria, played last year mainly on special teams as a true freshman, but he moves in there now. Uh, Trey Pugh has battled some injuries. Uh, Trent Goins moves over from the defensive side to play super back, and uh, I think he's going to play a lot probably early in the year. But but that's an area where you've had some guys who have been really good. Go back, Dan Vitale and Drake Dunsmore and 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 so on. And now you've got some guys who are a little bit lesser known. No, it's it's a great point. And I think you look back over the last couple of years, um, Garrett and. Uh, and the other superbacks have really been the security blanket uh, for for Clayton, and not having a guy that's cemented in there is is going to be, you know, tough tough not to have. But I'm sure they'll step up. They'll really look for these superbacks to to perform on third down. I feel like every time you turn around, Cam Green was making another big play on third down. Um, you know, third and five, third and six on the goal line, just making plays when Northwestern needing it. So hopefully, one of these guys steps up. All right, it's time to get to Dan's inside look. We're going to do this every week, and uh, this week, since it's week one, let's talk about week one. And from a quarterback standpoint, you're preparing for an opponent. Uh, You haven't played them. The the last time these teams played was 2015, so the guys who are playing this weekend uh, in uh, Palo Alto haven't faced each other. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about that and, and... how you prepare for an opponent like that. You know, I think the first thing when you take a step back from even the opponent is, you know, college football is the only sport that I can think of that really doesn't have any exhibition games. You have practice, you you play against your own team, but you're not playing preseason preseason games. So not really knowing what you're going to get from a quarterback or what you're going to get from the rest of the team is tough because you don't know who, while they've they've chosen leaders and chosen captains, you really don't know who your guys are going to be. Bowser wasn't really a guy until the, the third or fourth week last year. So I think that's a huge thing. So finding finding a rhythm early on in the game and, and really preparing um, for, for somebody, as you said, you, you don't you're preparing for a team that probably has some pieces coming back from the year before, but they're they're completely different guys too, similar to Northwestern. They're going through a growing process and looking for you know who their guys are gonna be. And you've you've had so much time to prepare for them. So you're you're looking at film from you know 2018, 17, 16 and going back and finding little things that hopefully benefit you in the game. Um, but it's it's just it's just a different it's a different uh, you know, you hear most coaches talk about the improvement from week one to week two mm-hmm. um, and they're you're different teams and I think coming into that is is completely different than any other game. What about for a first time starter? I mean, is it a lot different that first time you're going out there for a season opener, or is it the same every year? Because at quarterback or anywhere? At, well, uh, let's let's say quarterback. 
Yeah, I think so. Again, you, you, you've you always performed well, call it in the offseason or in seven-on-seven seven in the summer, but you, you just never know how these guys are going to perform when the lights go on. So I think it's, you know, I'm sure TJ and, and Hunter have a lot of confidence, but you build confidence through experience and performing on the field. And until you have a quarter or a game under your belt, um, you, you really don't have as much confidence in yourself. Um, so it's it's a big step, definitely. So hopefully these guys, whoever starts, get off gets off to a great start and builds confidence throughout the game and then into the next game. And now we welcome in the head coach of the Wildcats, Pat Fitzgerald, just off the practice field in Evanston on another beautiful day along the lakefront as the Wildcats get ready to take on Stanford in Palo Alto Saturday, 11-2 and in openers. I feel like I ask you this question every year. But but the the record speaks for itself. You guys kind of have figured it out how to win these opening games, which can be pretty tricky. Is there a secret to it? I wish there was. I'd write a book and probably retire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, we're just. Uh, I, I think the guys work really hard to prepare all off season, and uh, the, the job that they've done to this point. Uh, I'm really proud of the guys. Now a huge challenge out west in uh, Palo Alto. You, know, you guys have also done very well on the road. You won all your road games last year. Um, you've won three straight bowl games, an eight-game road winning streak. It wasn't always like that for you. So is there a, a formula that, that you guys, uh, over the course of your years as the head coach, that you've sort of whittled down? Have you based it on what you learned under Coach Walk and, and other coaches you've worked with? Or is it just something that... Uh, has just sort of evolved over the years. Yeah, you know, I think what we try to do, Dave, is really have laser-like focus when we go on the road. You know, the uh, you know, the challenge is it's uh, now 74 guys that can travel against, uh, you know, an entire fan base. And, and it's, you know, kind of continuing that underdog mentality, so to speak. So, you know, from a standpoint of what we're trying to do and, and, and how we're trying to get the – guys focused uh you know at times i think some of our fans probably should be mad at me maybe i don't do a good enough job at home games but uh, i think our guys really are focused at the task at hand they really set the business trip mentality the right way and go attack the road uh road game is is a challenge and a great opportunity thanks coach dan person here thanks again for being on um quick question now that you guys are uh wrapping up camp and obviously the freshman rule playing playing some guys for a handful of games and not burning the red shirt um You've mentioned many times this is probably the deepest team that you've had uh, in the past, you know, decade or whatnot. Who are some of the freshmen that you know Cats fans can expect playing a little bit that might might be back on the bench later in the season, but guys that really aren't the too deep that you think will have, um, you know, have an effect on the season? Yeah, right now, Danny, I'm not sure we're going to have anybody start the year that's going to be in the too deep in the freshman class. I do really like the class, though, so I don't want our fans to think that the class isn't great. I think it's spectacular. We just come out of camp as relatively healthy as we've been. Um, you know, but I, 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 like, uh, I like the whole group. I think the skill on both sides, running back, offense, or receivers, tight end, and DBs and linebackers are as, as good as we've recruited. Um, you know, the 2D linemen that are healthy, I thought have had really, really good camps. And I think the O-line is going to be really good as they get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. So top to bottom, I really like the class. Same thing with Trey Finneson as our walk-on kicker. I I, I think he's going to be really good too. So uh, you know, we'll see. We're going to work hard to, to do a great job with that four games. If we can manage it the right way and stay healthy, You know, we'll see how it plays out. 
if we don't stay healthy, obviously things are always subject to change, and we'll reserve the right to play the best guy every play. But I really, really like the class. Yeah, that makes sense. Switching to Stanford, and, and I know um, i got to get my quarterback fixed somehow, and you, I'm not going to bore everybody with asking you about our quarterbacks because we're not going to talk about that. But moving to Stanford, they've, they've kind of been the model of consistency and having, having great quarterbacks over the last couple of years. It's no secret that Coach Shaw is kind of runs the smash-mouth attack and, and wants to run the ball downhill. But last year they struggled with that a little bit, and I think K.J. Costello really had to step up, and he became you know quietly one of the premier quarterbacks um, in the Pac-12, if not the country. What are your thoughts on him and, and the, the challenges he presents? Well, it reminds me a lot of Daniel Jones at Duke. You know, big big guy that's more athletic than you want him to be. He can make all the throws, you know, and, and uh, you know, very similar to Daniel. KJ's got a ton of experience and a lot of really good weapons around him. So, um, you know, we're going to see some really good quarterbacks this year in the Big Ten. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I would put KJ up there every bit as much on the top. You know, he may be the first quarterback taken off the board if he has the year he's capable of. So, uh, we're going to have our hands full. Uh, you know, they, they struggled a little bit running the ball last year because they had so many different O-line combinations. They were they were really beat up. It looks like they're relatively healthy going into the year at the O-line. And, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll expect to see kind of the consistent Stanford offense that we've watched on tape since really 2015 offseason, you know, getting ready for that game. And now, you know, four years later, there hasn't been a ton of change in their DNA. A lot of teams have struggled against you running the ball in recent years, and uh, I know one reason for that, not to single out one player, but if you're going to single out one player, one guy you might want to single out is uh, is Patty Fisher. I know you've had some some great play from some of your defensive linemen, and uh, some of those guys have moved on now, Jordan Thompson, Tyler Lancaster, to name a couple of them. But Patty Fisher, Coach, as you look at, at what he's done his first two years as a starter. And I, I know you've always, even before we saw him on the field, you spoke highly of him. But now as he goes into year three, where, where can he pick his game up? Because he just seems so far along already at such a relatively early stage. Well, I think he's really working hard, number one, to, to improve his pass game coverage and, and when we pressure him to become an elite-level uh, blitzer. I think those are two areas that he's really been focused on and, and has worked diligently on this training camp and off season. And so I expect to see improvement there in his game. I think every year you grow and you mature as a player. I mean, we had Peyton Manning in here two years ago talking to our quarterbacks and he, he had just retired and he said, you know, going into last year, I still felt like there was a lot of things I can improve on. I, I think you never stop improving in this game until you're done. And uh, yeah, it's not uh, any any different to any game. You know, you and I, Dave, both have amazing golf games, and so <laughs> yeah, I exactly. There's improvement there for both of us. But uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's a great player. He's a terrific leader, but he's a better person. And really look forward to uh, watching him compete this year. Coach, maybe talk a little bit about just at a high level what the Stanford game means to Northwestern as a program. Obviously, Stanford's been the model of consistency at a very top level institution. I think they've they've averaged since Coach Shaw took over over ten wins a year. Um, what it means for recruiting, what it means for the players, what it means for how you you stack yourself against these elite institutions in, in the country. Yeah, I mean we've got great respect for for the Cardinal. There's no doubt about that. I mean we get compared a lot you know, academically. But over the last four years, quite frankly, Danny, they only have four more wins than us. So 
you know, you look at the two Duke losses, the Illinois State loss and the Western Michigan loss. There you go, right? And then you had Akron. You know, if, if you get what I'm saying, no, we're, I'm we're not that far away from where we want to be from a from a program standpoint. I think they sit like right now, like number seven in wins over the last four years. We're at 14, so you know we're we're not that far away. But you know, I think you always want to play the best, and uh, they've been in the hunt, the Pac-12 over the last few years. We finished the year against uh, you know the Pac-12 North champs in Utah, and, and and had one heck of a battle against them, and found a way to get it done. And uh, you know now we're playing the team that that, that finished uh, you know you know Pac-12 uh, South, excuse me, but. Uh, now we got now we got a team that competes every year for the North. So a uh, huge challenge, but a huge opportunity. And, uh, you know, how we get there is, number one, I think we just continue to prepare this week and we go play our best football of this team's life, meaning we're, we're one game in. So I'm going to learn a lot about the squad. I'm going to know exactly where I need to go with them. Um, but the way they've worked, the attitude that they've demonstrated, I've really liked this group. And uh, now we're going to go. Have a great uh, great challenge ahead of us on Saturday afternoon out in Palo Alto. And on that note, final question, and I appreciate your time. Every team develops its own personality, even if you have the same guys back from last year. When do you see that with a team? Is it in that first game? Is it in camp? Is it halfway through the season? Can you even tell at this point? You know, I think every phase you learn a little bit more about your squad. You know, I think you know winter workouts, the group was very focused and, and very um, determined to improve. You know, you get to the mountaintop, but you don't make it uh, all the way to the summit. You know, it, it, uh, it's, a, it's a great motivator, you know, to be in Indianapolis and, and quite frankly, not play very well in a couple of games. Uh, we felt like we beat ourselves in on the way there. Um, this group has been really, really focused. And then we get in the spring ball and, we get some guys that are stepping up and, and assuming new roles. You go through the summer, and you add the freshmen, and you kind of see what ingredients we might be able to use. And like I said, I really, really like this freshman class. And you go through camp, and you go through the you know, the grind, just like everybody in the country. You go through the grind, and, and you got to see how the guys are going to react to as much adversity as you can put on them in spring practice and winter workouts and summer workouts and camp. And uh, this group has, has risen to the occasion. I mean, I have not had to get after them once from an attitude or a work ethic standpoint. I think that shows pretty darn good maturity, even though we don't have a huge senior class. We've got a lot of guys that have played a lot of ball. So we're going to learn a lot, you know, about you know how we handle in-game adversity and, and how we all react to everything here on Saturday. But um, so far, this group has been just a pleasure to work with and, and really, really looking forward to watching them compete on Saturday. We are, too. Coach, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. See you in Palo Alto. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Great talking to you both, and uh, look forward to making all of our Wildcat fans proud all year long, and look forward to seeing a bunch of them out in Palo Alto. Thanks a lot, guys. Go Cats. All right, Coach Pat Fitzgerald there. And, uh, Dan, anything that kind of stands out to you about what the coach had to say? Yeah, I kind of think two things, actually. Uh, one, depth. It sounds He sounds very confident in the, in the talent of this team, and, and it's well-documented as, as a former player. I, I definitely see that. The second thing is just the leadership. It sounds like, well, that again, he mentioned the senior class isn't huge. Him mentioning that he's not having to, to get after these guys too much and create kind of, you know, false motivators to, to trick these guys into getting excited about what they're doing is, is a big sign, especially in, during the camp grind. So I think it's, it's a very deep and, you know, team that, that's led by great leadership, which are two great things to have going in the first, the first game. All right. So Saturday at Stanford, uh, kind of an ideal opener, I think. For this team, and I, I, I think your question to him, he alluded to it. 
they do get compared a lot, but from a one-loss standpoint, there hasn't been that big a gap in recent years. And so going back to that game of 2015 at Ryan Field where Northwestern won 16-6, to uh, their defense really set the tone for that game. We'll see if they can do it again. Be a big challenge for them on Saturday and also with a first-time quarterback, but they had a first-time quarterback last time and they were able to get it done. It'll be a lot of fun, and I didn't mean to offend Coach Fitz. Oh, I don't think you did. I think he's not easily offended. <laughs> no, I know. No, he. But I was. I was more alluding to the fact that just from a recruiting standpoint, this sure. game means so much. They're fighting for the same kids year in and year out. Year out, and to say we've won, you know, look, look at this. Look at the last couple of games. We've won both of them. To be able to say that means a lot. You know, one of the big stories this week was the retirement of Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck was a guy who was recruited heavily by both Northwestern and Stanford. Northwestern was in his final group, and he ended up ultimately going to Stanford and turned out okay for him. Yeah, luckily for me, he didn't come to Northwestern. (laughs) That's right. That's going to do it for our first edition of Collegiately Speaking. For this new college football season, we'll be back with you again next week. Many thanks to Curtis Koch, our producer, also Super Joe Romano. For Dan Persa, I'm Dave Ennett. Thanks for being with us. Talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com.